The following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly. We'll be talking nothing but sports for the next three hours. I am your host, Steve Kent, and I am joined, of course, as always, uh, by Lou. And for those of you that, if you want to call in and talk some sports tonight, you can call in at 657-383-1308. We have a lot to talk about. We have college football starting back up. We have NFL season. Uh, We have the NFL season actually about to begin next week. Uh, and by the way, Lou, you're actually doing pretty good on the uh, game's gridiron. You currently have a four and one record right now, with your only uh, wow. your only loss being your only loss being uh, Wisconsin. Huh. Who would have thought Penn State was going to rise up? I know it, it came. Uh, there's been a, there's been a couple of uh, a couple of surprises uh, today so we far. We almost had one today. Uh, in particular, which uh, which matchup? Tulane versus Oklahoma. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I was like, what the that's hell? Right, I forgot. Yeah, Oklahoma definitely uh, didn't cover. That's uh, you know easy no, to say, but, but you know that that's kind of what made me. It's kind of what made me. Uh, drift away from that spread. I was looking and I'm like 31, that's kind of a bit too much I think for Oklahoma considering the fact you, t- you, you, you consider when you, when you consider uh, you know, they don't have nearly the same players that they've had in the past. You know, it, and plus they just well, lost Oklahoma. They, I mean, well, he was Alabama, but still, they, they had no problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, Alabama, I mean, let's face it, Alabama is a different, a different beast in, in and of itself. That's a different beast, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you take a, you take a look at, uh, at their matchup today and, uh, against Miami, and it, 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 it's almost as if Miami forgot how to play defense. Because yeah, if I recall correctly, defense yeah. is Defense has been their their number one thing that they've been touted the most for, uh, especially last year was their was their defense. And uh, you know, Tim actually asked me today, how the hell is Miami ranked number fourteen entering the year? And I told him, I said, it's because of their defense last year. That's why they're ranked number fourteen. You know, it's it's almost like. You look at Clemson right now, who's losing seven yeah. nothing to Georgia, and you're wondering. Well, look, this game is either way. Playing. This game is this game is not this game is you know not going to be a real way for anybody. I'm a little surprised no. though that how you know defensively though they're not really a lot of scoring here. So I'm a little surprised at that. I thought be more high scoring between these two powerhouse teams. So far, it's been anything but that. Yeah, the the big problem with Clemson is they've lost pretty much their entire offense. Their entire offense was yeah. lost by uh, through the NFL draft this year for the most part. 
you know, you take away you take away Travis at the end, you take away Trevor Lawrence, and you know, you pretty much you pretty much you, you you're pretty much stripping Clemson's entire offense from last year. Yeah. So even though I picked Clemson as uh with one of my picks, I I can kinda see why you know, people are so people are sort of down on Clemson this year. When you when you consider the fact that they lost a generational talent like uh, like Trevor Lawrence, and yes, yes, I mean it's clear, it's clear now that they're nowhere near the same team that they were the past couple of years. Hey, Trevor, want to come back? No, I guess not. I mean, he could have. He could have come back for his senior year, but he chose to forego it and, and instead play uh, instead play for Jacksonville for some reason. Yeah, <laughs> big mistake. Yeah, well, you know, I kind I kind of see it as a big mistake as well, uh, especially considering the fact that he's playing under Urban Meyer, who has already drawn a lot of criticism for how he's handled the Jaguars very early on into his uh, into his most recent foray into the NFL. So, Well, the thing is, but, you know, it's Jacksonville, so I don't expect much anyway since they're, you know, they're pretty much a joke. Yeah, they are. They're, they're pretty much at the bottom of the barrel uh, when it comes to the AFC for the most part. So, uh, but we do have a seven-nothing lead for we have a seven nothing lead heading into the half for Georgia. Hopefully, maybe Clemson will be able to make some adjustments at the half. But uh, considering their only real offense that they were starting that, that they were starting to uh, to gather, that basically got negated by a seventy four yard pick six for Georgia. So it's. It, 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 it looks like Clemson is, and, and 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 actually, I should say, you know, that that offensive drive that they had was mainly due to the fact that they recovered a fumble uh, off of a, they recovered a punt, I should say, which went off of a went off of a Clemson shoe, then went off of a Georgia shoe, and Georgia literally had no chance to recover it whatsoever because it was basically swarmed by a whole bunch of Clemson players. So uh, they started out they started at the 50-yard line the very next uh the very next series and they weren't that's when they ended up throwing the pick six. So other than that Clemson hasn't really gotten any offense off uh through the half so far. I mean, uh their quarterback DJ Uaga Lele, hopefully I'm saying that right. He's only completed fifty yeah. percent of his. He's only completed fifty percent of his uh, of his attempts. Ten ten out of twenty for eighty nine yards, and he threw a pick. But they have no run game. Uh, their lead rusher is uh, Pace, who had three carry Kobe Pace, uh, three carries for six yards. So they have no rushing attack, and. Uh, Joseph Ngata is their lead receiver, three catches on four, for 47 yards. 
You know, it, it just it, it just seems like Clemson is struggling. Uh, both teams actually are struggling for offense because you could almost yeah. argue that uh, you know, it's funny that I call it that I call Clemson struggling, but yet you take a look at both yeah. at both sides, and Clemson's receivers actually have the better numbers compared to Georgia's. So. It may come down to assuming that we continue we continue the same track that we're going down right now. Uh, it may come down to potentially that pick six potentially being the difference between a win for or between you know still being in it and a loss for Clemson. But uh, some finals from earlier this week. We're going to go through the uh, the entire list uh, for now before we go on to uh, the next topic. Uh, Central Florida picked up a 36-31 victory over Boise State. Uh, NC State with a shutout over South Florida, 48-0. Uh, Appalachian State, 33-19 over East Carolina. Tennessee with a 38-6 thrashing of Bowling Green. The uh, Ohio State Buckeyes, 45-31 over Minnesota. Uh, The Virginia Tech Hokies, 17-10 over North Carolina. The Charlotte 49ers, 31-28 over Duke. We have, ooh, actually, you know, as I'm looking at these scores, I'm realizing uh, there's still a few things I do need to update on the on the picks. So after I get after we get done with the podcast tonight, I'm going to have a lot of work to do here. Uh, Wake Forest, Wake Forest with a 42 to 10 victory over Old Dominion. Michigan State 38-21. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is you know Wake Forest is mainly known is mainly known for basketball as opposed to and so is ODU uh, football, anyways. Yeah. You know, as opposed to as opposed to football, so you know yeah. some of these scores, some of these scores shouldn't be all that surprising for the most part. No, but basically, I try to keep away from the so-called clean club games. Yeah, but uh, Michigan State thirty-eight to twenty-one over Northwestern, uh, sure. Rutgers. Sixty-one to fourteen over Temple. That that kind of seems yeah. that kind of seems like it may have been your easiest pick because Temple. Yeah. I mean, let, let me just put it this way: with with, the, with the way that Temple sh- with the way that Temple showed up today, it's their offensive line is basically turned south. Oh it's, hell yeah! Uh, it, defenses are going to feast on this offensive line all season long. So. It, uh, to anybody, to anybody who's betting, more more than likely, if if you uh, come across a good spread for the for any Temple games, always bet against Temple. Well, Steve, I could have told you anybody that. I mean, because Temple was has never been much of a football school anyway. I mean, you know, they got they got yeah. you know crap written all over them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I would never I would never I, take Temple. I wouldn't even take Temple against a high school team. <laughs> you know, it's what does that funny tell you, you folks? A high school team. It's kind of funny you mention a high school team because uh, where is that? Where is that? Uh, 
that team. I gotta I gotta find it here. Because, oh, you mean the online school? Uh, no, well, I guess you can call it an online school, but it is a fake high school. Yeah, you know what? Let's shift over here for a second. Yeah, uh, yeah. That was a fake high school team that actually convinced, or more like conned, uh, ESPN into airing two of their or into airing a game of theirs. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Bishop Sycamore, I think it's called Bishop Sycamore High School. Yeah, something like that. If you want to even if you want to even call it a high school. Uh, which I don't. Is supposedly out of supposedly out of Columbus, Ohio, uh, who by the way has already fired their coach, who might I add has an arrest warrant out for his arrest. Uh, that was that was Alrighty. actually made known. That was made known live on air. Uh, basically, this was just a complete con job by. Uh, this online school that talked their way into uh, being participating in a nationally televised football game. And what's funny, what's even more funny is that they they got blown out both of their games that they played. And the thing is, all of their players are in high schoolers. They're, college, they're, they're junior college dropouts if I recall correctly. Yes. So so they're not even high schoolers. I mean, this is this is like this is what makes it even 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 funnier is that you're basically this is basically a team of men playing against the boys and the boys yeah. whooped the men's asses. Whipper <laughs> snappers won. And yeah, uh, you know, according to uh, according to the New York Post, uh, Roy Johnson, who was the former head coach of Bishop Sycamore, uh, he ended up getting fired uh, this past week, and he apparently faces an active bench warrant since July second out of Delaware, Ohio, for a failure to appear in a domestic violence case. That later was mm-hmm. dropped due to a criminal mischief charge. So yeah. now uh, he also has to go to trial for defaulting on a one hundred thousand dollar loan that was issued by First Merchant Bank back in April of twenty eighteen. Okay. And and what's even funnier is that ESPN called them out on their bullshit live on air. Uh, by the, the ESPN announcers claimed on air that Bishop Sycamore led them to believe that its roster contained multiple Division One prospects, which quickly proved to be untrue during their game against IMG. And it also turns out that the school isn't even listed on the Ohio Athletic Association's directory of schools, but oh, is reportedly a part, it's reportedly a part of the Texas Christian Athletic League. Supposedly, yeah. and and I thought, yeah. they said here, you look at IMG, and this is the most talented prep team in the country. Bishop Sycamore told us they had a number of Division One prospects on their roster, and to be frank, a lot of that we could not verify. 
They did not show up in our database. They did not show up in the databases of other recruiting services. So, okay, that's what you're telling us? Fine. That's how we take it in. From what we've seen so far, this is not a fair fight, and there's got to be a point where you're worried about health and safety. Yeah. I mean, this this team shouldn't even be playing, period. No. It's It's almost like, it, it, it's almost like, have you ever seen the movie Dodgeball with Vince Vaughn? Yes, of course. Yeah. It's, 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 almost like, it's almost like taking a team of average Joes and every high school that they face is Globo Gym. Nothing but Globo Gym, Globo Gym, right. Globo Gym on each, and, on each and every one of their games scheduled yeah. for, uh, on their schedule. You know, it's not even, it's not even a fair fight. No. I've got till 10.30, okay? Okay, Lou. But, uh, well, yeah. well, you know, let's just, let's just, uh, let me get your thought. What are your thoughts on Bishop Sycamore? Because this, I mean, this is, uh, this is a team that's also selling merchandise. And yeah. they're having opponents, they're also having opponents that are backing out of games after this news uh, after, you know, they were exposed on national television. So what are your thoughts on this, uh, on this uh, high school football scandal? You mean this sham? Oh, please. It's exactly what it is. It's a sham. It wasn't even, it was, you know, it's not even considered real and whatnot, and, you know, how they're making this out of it is just completely, completely ridiculous. I think I picked my, uh, I think I picked the wrong item for the ridiculous item of the week. Because I had another one which was uh, just as weird, but this is like you what know this that? is like something that's true. Well, okay, you know the U.S. Open is playing this week, right? Next two weeks. Yeah. Well, yeah. Andy Murray raised a ruckus on how he lost the match because uh, he was complaining about how Despastis was um, taking too much time on timeout as he had to go take a leak during game during match play. What a, what an idiot! I like well, that's a break. First, that, that's a first. I've never, I've never, I've never heard of there being a timeout due to, uh, due to nature calling. I've that's never, right. I've he never heard good... of. Uh, I've never heard of that taking place. It's it's happened. Well, he did it. So you know, and Murray was bitching and complaining the whole time. And he's like, "Oh, I had an unfair advantage. I had an unfair advantage." Because this, because my opponent had to go pee. Oh, what a waste! Of all the ways to lose, un, unbelievable. <laughs> Just sick. Well, you know, I mean, I can kind of. Well, let me put it this way. Uh, th- so the match was stopped in the middle of the match, or was it at the beginning of the match? In the middle of the match, and then he had to take another okay. medical timeout. Um, yeah, and uh, the fourth, okay. and, and uh, at the end of the third set, I think he had to go back to the bathroom again. Or something else. So was he, doing he, this in the, was in the middle of a leading? match? Was oh, my he, God. Was he leading he or was he trailing? Um, after the third set, he was winning. He, he, um, you know, he won the um, match against Murray anyway. But, you know, still, of all the, of all the things you hear of in sports, you know, taking timeouts, whatever, taking a timeout, they go take a leak. Oh, it could have been worse, though. Okay, okay, so... So wait, wait a minute. Who was the one? I'm trying to piece this together. So Murray was the one that took the leak, or it was the opponent? No, Despastis. 
Okay, so Murray Murray was trailing during. Uh, yeah, and, was it, yeah, was he and Murray was bitching about it afterwards. Okay, yeah, that's just. The, I mean, I would, I would, I would understand if Murray was leading at the time, and you know, then his opponent goes and pulls this, pulls this crap, and then his opponent yeah. ultimately ends up winning in the end. I could understand that because. You know these these athletes in tennis in particular. You know they are in the zone basically. They they yeah. ha- they require uh, to get themselves in the zone and prepare for the entire for the entire matchup. So right for the game to all of a sudden be stopped due to uh, due to a bathroom break. You know that basically. I could see where he could call it an unfair advantage or uh, yeah. you know, a disadvantage, but he was. Lo- I mean, how badly was he losing at the time? Um, I wasn't getting the. I wasn't getting you know beat up, but uh, you know he was he was uh, trailing in a match. I think by against, um, a rather um, considerable margin, but still. I mean, you don't do that in the middle of a match. You're supposed to try to hold your liquor, you know. Yeah, what an idiot. I mean, I can I can understand where he's coming from because, you know, there was always that possibility that maybe he could make a comeback and basically a, 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 them allowing his opponent to go and relieve himself. That basically, <laughs> if anything, his his opponent would have would have would have had to deal with holding it in. Which could have potentially yeah. affected his, which could have potentially affected, uh, you know, his, how he approached the rest of the game. So I can see where Murray, uh, yeah. where, where Murray is bitching about it. Right. She had been surprised by tennis combust. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, oh, I can wow. I can see I can see where where he has a point when it comes to. When it comes to uh, bitching and, and complaining about that, but uh, let's see some of the other games before we go into because we have a lot of NFL stuff to cover. We have NBA and NHL as well. Uh, yes, in, in particular, a big, big story in the NHL uh, that we'll probably get to mm-hmm. next here. Uh, some other some other scores: Michigan over Western Michigan, forty-seven fourteen. Kansas State over Stanford, 24-7. Kentucky over UL Monroe, 45-10. Penn State over Wisconsin, 16-10, although Wisconsin almost made a comeback in the very last right. minute. They almost made a comeback, but uh, wasn't, able, wasn't able to convert. Uh, Oklahoma, 40-35 yep. over Tulane. Uh, Arkansas with a backdoor cover. Thirty-eight to seventeen over Rice in the last the last two minutes of the game. Talk about a backdoor cover. Arkansas wouldn't have covered if they didn't make that last touchdown. Uh, yeah. Oregon thirty-one to twenty-four over Fresno State. Alabama handles Miami forty-four thirteen. Maryland over West Virginia thirty twenty-four. Iowa over Indiana thirty-four six. Uh, Cincinnati over Miami, Ohio, 49-14. Uh, 
We have Marshall 49-7 over Navy. Missouri 34-24 over Central Michigan. We have Mississippi just, or Mississippi State just barely edging out Louisiana Tech 35-34. Pittsburgh handles UMass 51-7. Not a shock at all from my eyes. Uh, no, no, no. Texas, Texas over over UL Lafayette 38-18. Iowa State 16-10 over Northern Iowa, and USC 30-7 over San Jose State. Although it looked like. Uh, for some for some point in time, it looked like as if USC was not going to be able to cover that game. No, until no. they finally real until they finally remembered that they were USC and they ended up uh, scoring the points that they needed. Yeah. Uh, also, some uh, some news involving Monday's game. Uh, Old Miss's head coach Lane Kiffin will reportedly miss Monday's game against Louisville after he tested oh, positive for COVID-19. Uh, uh-huh. he, is, he is also vaccinated. So, you know, for, somebody, for, for people who don't think that you can, that, that, that you can catch the virus uh, because you have the vaccine, you still can catch the virus, but it will be less severe compared to if you right. catch it and are not vaccinated. Um, Better safe than sorry, He people. did also – Exactly. Uh, he did also say that his team is 100% vaccinated and there are currently no other cases to report uh, or any team members expected to miss the game at all. So everybody is good. The only person uh, that won't be there on Monday is Lane Kiffin. Uh, also, it says that because they are fully vaccinated, players who were in close contact with Kiffin will not be forced to miss games via the contact tracing quarantine. Which honestly, okay. it, it, it makes it makes sense that that it yes. should be that way because, uh, you know, it's different if you have somebody like Cam Newton, for example, who we'll talk about in a few uh, minutes as well. Uh, you know, when you have yeah. somebody like Cam Newton who has decided to remain unvaccinated, I mean, it's you know, it's it's a person's choice, but uh, yeah, it is still. It makes sense that if. If you have players that are fully vaccinated and may have been close contacts, that they don't need to be quarantined because, you know, they are technically, uh, I wouldn't say safe from being exposed, but, you know, it's not like, it's not like they could be a super spreader, basically, compared to if somebody who was unvaccinated uh, ended up contracting COVID. But, yeah. anyways, let us go into the NHL because uh, there's quite a few things that took place over the past couple of days. Uh, the first yes. thing in particular, the NHL and the Players Association have officially reached an agreement with the IIHF for players mm-hmm. to be able to participate in the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics, which officially means dog. there will not be. It officially means there will not be, uh, or actually, no, there will be an All-Star Weekend, apparently. It says here uh, that they are scheduled to break from February 3rd to the 22nd for All-Star Weekend. So I guess they are still going to hold an All-Star Weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, Just before uh, the Olympics. 
Yep. And it says they're going to break for All-Star Weekend and also for the men's hockey tournament. Uh, it does say, though, that if conditions worsen with COVID-19, then the NHL and the NHLPA will have the ability to withdraw from the Winter Olympics if they choose to do so. Right. But Which I wouldn't I mean, want to see happen. Kind of makes sense. But this kind of makes sense, Lou, to be able to have players get the opportunity to represent their, their specific uh, countries in the Olympics. Yeah. It would only make sense, you know, it would seem out of place for the Winter Olympics to come around and not have the best players out there on the ice representing their countries. I mean, it would almost be like, say, like, say, basketball, for example, you know. A lot of a lot of players in basketball are represent the United States, obviously. But you know, when you when you look at the drastic talent level, the talent differential between, uh, you know, between the United States and say, I don't know, you know, let's put Spain out there. You know, Spain isn't really as good of a team as they once were, or Argentina. No, you know. A lot of a lot of uh, a lot of players obviously would be eligible for the United States as opposed to other countries. But yet, yes. you look at hockey, you look at hockey, and it's so drastically different that you could oh, have sure. stars. You could have stars on the Czech Republic. You could have stars in Russia. You could have stars in Canada, the United States, Sweden, Finland. You know, there's a whole wide range of countries that could, that could have big name stars represent them. So it's, it only makes sense for the NHL to be able to reach an agreement for uh, Olympic hockey to take place. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping it doesn't come to having to have that uh, Opt out or whatnot because I would I would hate to see it get canceled again, especially since we didn't get a chance to play back in 2018. So you know I'm hoping that yeah. you know goes as well as planned and they won't have to cancel because of a COVID outbreak or whatnot because we've seen enough of that. And you know but but these but the summer Olympics went off without a hitch even though even though athletes work um, came down with uh, the disease, but I'm hoping that you know that it'll be better as we head to the. Uh, winter games. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully uh, obviously, you know, Be- Beijing. They they've probably taken what they've learned from the Summer Olympics, and are hopefully going to be able to put in a few more, uh, a few changes, I should say, uh, to right. how they to how they approach the Winter Olympics. When it comes to uh, when it comes to COVID protocols and everything, yeah, I mean I don't think anyone wants to see the Olympics canceled. No, obviously not. No, not uh, even me. Obviously, you know nobody nobody wants to see the Winter Olympics get canceled at all because, uh, I mean, hell, you know the Olympics they only come around once every four years, so. Or the Winter Olympics yeah. is, is it is the the Winter Olympics is two years, right? It's two years and the no the Summer Olympics no, everything is four, is four years. No, everything is four years, but it's a two year cycle. 
Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that may, that makes sense then. Uh, so, yeah, you know, like you said, it it would be a shame for uh, you know for them having to having to potentially pull out of the uh, of the agreement that the NHL has made here. So hopefully, I mean, the NHL they have been they have been the best league, honestly, when it comes to dealing with the uh, coronavirus pandemic and COVID protocols, you know, their players have been uh, some of the best when it comes to, you know, dealing with everything. So maybe perhaps uh, this should potentially go off without a hitch here. The only thing that doesn't make sense is why would you have it during the Super Bowl? Well... Yeah, you know, that's dumb. I don't know how to answer that because... I'm not surprised. Nobody does either. You know, they're going to be fighting for viewership. The only thing, the only thing I can think of is maybe, for, maybe because the Super Bowl will be on a Friday or on a Sunday and, you know, the Winter Olympics are... It's, the, most of the most of the of the hockey games, if I recall correctly, because they're going to be over in China, it, they will yeah. technically air earlier in the United States. But it's, yeah, but the thing is that the Olympics will still be going on the day of the Super Bowl. They'll have another week yet. True, but they may just, they may just do it. They they may just they may just do it where they air the games. Uh, they may air the big things, you know, during the day when it's during the, yeah. when it's, you know, like during the morning, during the morning, uh, early afternoon hours. In, right. uh, I, mean, I, know I know they're both in the same network this year. You know, it may have been better if the NFL would have started this weekend to avoid this conflict, but no, you thought, well, no one's going to really watch the NFL on Labor Day. They don't, we don't really give a, they don't give a, Brat ass about that, so we'll just keep it like that. No, you should have thought about that before you decided to have both at the same time. What a dumbass! And people call yeah, me. Yeah, you know, I never, I never understood that. Why? I mean, I I understand, you know, they're, you know, they're extending it out to seventeen games, but I thought they were extending yeah. it out to seventeen games because instead of week four of the preseason, it would be week one of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, did you need to take the week off, you know, because, you know, when it was four preseason games, you know, you'd stop on the Thursday before Labor Day, and then the next week you start. You're you're you have a whole week, you know, you had that week off. You, you could have started, you know, this weekend since the preseason yeah. was over. But you got to play I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. It, ju- it just it no. doesn't make sense at all with, Not to with, me. How, they, uh, with how they scheduled things. Uh, there was one other huge thing that went down in the NHL apart from the yep. Olympic agreement. Uh, it was it was announced earlier today that Montreal will not match the offer sheet that was made to just Barry Kokaniemi by the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay. So in exchange, in exchange, Montreal will receive a first and third round pick in the 2022 NHL draft from the Hurricanes as compensation as Kokaniemi agreed to a one-year $6.1 million deal last week with Carolina. Uh, uh-huh. 
However, they also uh, they're also potentially depending depending on which pick is better uh, out of yes. the first round picks. Uh, they may potentially flip it over to Arizona as they acquired Christian Dvorak from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for a 2022 first-round pick and a 2024 second-round pick. And the stipulation here is the Coyotes will receive whichever first-rounder is better between Montreal's own pick and the one that they received earlier today as compensation from Carolina. So it's possible that that pick could immediately get flipped over to Arizona, depending on if it's a better pick than what Montreal will have for their own. Yes, yes. And uh, it says here that uh, Christian Dvorak, by the way, I'm pissed off that Montreal got him and Boston couldn't. Uh, Dvorak is slated yeah. to, be, uh, to be their second-line center which is the position that Kokaniemi was expected to occupy this year. Uh, Dvorak has 17 goals and 31 points in 56 games with the Arizona Coyotes last year. So what do you think, Lou? This is a big, big move that went down uh, yeah. first off with, with uh, Montreal. You know, they were also in the Jack Eichel rumors for potentially <laughs> going after Jack Eichel. So with them yes. not agree with them agreeing to with them deciding to not match the Carolina Hurricanes offer, a lot of people thought that that first round pick and potentially the third round pick also would get flipped over to Buffalo as part of a bigger deal uh, involving Jack Eichel. Yeah. Now, obviously, with and them acquiring Dvorak, with them acquiring Dvorak, obviously that's now not going to happen. So what are your thoughts on Montreal's uh, series of moves that they made earlier today? Yeah, they got lucky, and the fish got away again for Buffalo. So what one team's loss is another team's gain, and Montreal took advantage of it. And, of course, with, uh, you know, Eichel and gone, Buffalo's just going to suck anyway, as usual. So, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be another season of 12 for them. Just well, you just know, there, that, team there, can't, that team can't see can't even do the game and shoot right. You know, there is one team that is still in on Jack Eichel, though. While Montreal yeah. may be out of the equation, uh, there is one team that is still in, and it is apparently the New York Rangers. And the big, the big rumor, the big rumor I've heard I is know. that if if there is if there is a deal that is made with the Rangers, Alexis Lafreniere the first overall pick from last year's draft will be will be part of the return going to Buffalo. Mm. That is if a deal goes down between both sides. And that's the key word right there, if. Exactly. Now, granted this source that I'm the source that I'm uh, that I'm saying it from, they're uh, usually, a lot of people take what they say with a grain of salt. So, maybe it's not something to, not, maybe it's not something to really put much weight on. But it kind of makes sense because you know that apart from first round picks, Buffalo is going to be asking for a king's ransom, basically, for Jack Eichel, their franchise. Yeah, uh, no king's ransom. Yes. So, 
you know, putting in somebody like Lafreniere would make sense. It would have to be like Lafreniere or Capo Caco. It would have to be somebody big that would be coming in return for uh, for Jack Eichel. I like Cockle. Yeah, I don't, I, I think I think Capo Caco is saying I, I don't see them moving on from him at all, considering the fact that he's probably been one of the best. Uh, first round assets that they've gotten in the last couple of years. So, right. Yeah. Uh, well, I should, I should say, I should say one of the best that has actually worked out in the NHL right. so far. Uh, so, Oh, big interception for, uh, for Clemson here. This could Clemson. be, or no, no. Wait, was that Clemson? Yeah, that is Clemson. That yes. is orange. Uh, they are wearing the dark orange tonight. So, uh, big interception for Clemson there. We'll see if they'll be able to make something out of this. Let's see, where are they at right now, though? Uh, I believe it was past the 50-yard line. I think they might be in Georgia territory here. Nope. Wait. Uh, yeah, they are. They are in Georgia territory. They're at the 33. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see here. Uh, obviously, if Clemson converts, we will uh, we will get that in, get that in here. Uh, but uh, there's also another rumor that is going on as well, and in particular, uh, it involves Vladimir Tarasenko. And the big oh, yeah. rumor that's going around is the New Jersey Devils may potentially yeah. be in on Tarasenko. Oh, great. That's all we need. I mean, it would be a big acquisition for the for the Devils if they are if the, if they're able to come to an agreement with St. Louis. You know, he's probably he'll basically be what Taylor Hall should have been had he stayed with uh with New Jersey. Yeah. And chickened out. But uh, he was our hope. Uh, what was that, Lou? It was our big hope, and then it was a bust. Yeah, unfortunately, but it looks like he has officially. Uh, it looks like he has sort of revived his career uh, with the Boston Bruins now. So uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate, but. Uh, not for you. One, well, not for me, obviously. Yeah, it's fortunate for me because now we finally have a bona fide second line, uh, second line winger yes. uh, that can go that can go alongside. Um, well, I would have said alongside Krejci, but Krejci is now playing in the uh, Czech Republic again. Krejci. Uh, and it looks like Charlie Coyle is going to be the second line center for the Boston Bruins. God help us. Because so far in his time with the Bruins, he hasn't played like a second-line center. He's barely played like a third-line center. Right. Uh, But, you know, speaking of the New York area, the Islanders were pretty busy this week. They signed uh, key members members of their team to contract extensions, uh, coming to agreement with goaltender Ilya Sorokin, as well as forwards Casey Sezikis, Anthony Bovillier, and Cal Palmieri 
to contract extensions. Now, Palmieri, obviously, they acquired from New Jersey at the deadline. Uh, they agreed uh, to terms with him on a four-year extension, which will be worth about $5 million per year. Uh, Anthony Beauvillier is three years for about an average annual value of 4.15 mil per year. Uh, Casey Sezikis, this one is a little bit egregious in my opinion. I don't think I wouldn't sign a fourth, uh, a, you know, I wouldn't sign a fourth line player to a six-year extension. But the Islanders have done so yeah, with yeah, an yeah. average annual value of two and a half million. Uh, paying two and a half million for a guy who notched seven goals and fourteen points on the fourth line last year. Uh, yes. What the hell are you smoking, Lou? Uh, Lou Lamorello. Right. I. I don't think I would be. I would be shelling out that kind of money. I mean, that would be like the Bruins shelling out uh, the money to Sean Corrali to have him return as the fourth line center, uh, which I don't guys think they so. didn't do. I wouldn't do that. Um, and Ilya Sorokin, three-year deal, $4 million per year. Uh, Sorokin, he posted a 13-6-3 record last year, 2.17 goals against average, 91.8 save percentage, and three shutouts. Uh, I mean, it kind of makes sense because we don't know, you know, you don't know how long they're going to have Semyon Varlamov uh, as their starter. So, it kind of makes sense to sort of pay Sorokin right now as a starter when mm-hmm. it, it's clear that he's probably going to be uh, the goaltender of the future for them. So, yeah. I mean, I, I don't have, I don't have any, basically the only, the only deal I have a problem with here is the Sezikis contract because I don't mm-hmm. think you should be paying $6 million or I don't think you should be paying six years, uh, two and a half mil per year for a fourth line. No, center. certainly not. I just don't think you should be doing that. No. Uh, some some other contracts around the league. Uh, Drake Batherson, six-year extension, uh, worth around four million per year. Well, actually, no, almost five million per year with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Seventeen goals and thirty-four points last year. Okay, that makes sense. He's a young, a young wing, a a, a young winger, uh, so it kind of makes sense to give him that kind of deal. Uh, Philip Heronik, a three-year extension with the Detroit Red Wings, four point four mil per year. Uh, he led the Wings in scoring last year with twenty-six. Wow, really? He led the Red Wings in scoring with twenty-six points, two goals, and twenty-four yeah. assists last year. I think that that speaks to exactly how much the Red Wings absolutely sucked last year. Oh, yeah. Just the fact that you can lead the team in scoring with 20, by having only 26 points. Right. As a defenseman. In a short season, too. but they were the suckiest team that yes. ever did suck. Yes. Uh, Joel Farabee, he signed a six-year deal with the Philadelphia Flyers, average annual value of five mil per year, and it will start in the 2022-2023 season uh, following his entry-level contract, uh, which is heading into its final year this year. 
Uh, Therapy led the Flyers last year with 20 goals and ranked fifth on the team with 38 points in 55 games uh, during a productive sophomore year. So I don't have a deal or I don't have a problem with that contract either. You're putting up 20 goals, you know, yeah, five, five mil per year for 20, for a 20 plus goal scorer. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it too. I'll definitely take that. No problem. Uh, Colton Pareiko, he signed an eight-year extension worth about $52 million with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, He picked up two goals, and keep in mind he's a defenseman. Uh, He picked up two goals and 12 points uh, in 32 games last year for the the Blues. He's clearly one of their top defensemen uh, now with the, uh, with obviously, uh, Alex Petrangelo leaving town for, uh, for Vegas. So I can see why they gave him, why they gave him this big deal. Uh, he's basically the anchor of that defense now of that defensive core. Right. Um, Connor Murphy, four year contract extension with the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, an average annual value of about 4.4 million per year. Uh, running through the 2025-2026 campaign. By the way, uh, Clemson was unable to convert, uh, was unable to score whatsoever on that uh, on that turnover. So uh, it's still a seven nothing Georgia. Um, I did not expect a Connor Murphy, scoring or lack of. No, I did not. I did not either. I I I was expecting we'd probably see. We'd probably see a bit of a high-scoring game. I mean, not not like Alabama level, but I I was expecting we'd see no. more than seven points scored, especially at this stage in the game. I mean, like you know, what the offense uh, yeah. sleep tonight or something? You see, I told you, I told you, Lou, I told you that th- that pick six may be the ultimate difference yeah. between Georgia, between uh, Clemson keeping the game tied. And Clemson losing, and it looks like that's yes. where it's headed right now. Is Clemson losing because of that pick six? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Murphy last year, uh, three goals, fifteen points on the Chicago Blue Line in fifty games last year. So, four years at about four point four million. I, I would say he's probably worth it for the Blackhawks. He's one of their. Uh, one of their longest tenured defensemen now with Duncan Keith officially out of town. Um, out of time. Now, now let's talk about the NFL because we had obviously yes. uh, with with preseason wrapping up, uh, there were quite a few surprise cuts this year. In uh, yes. when, it, when it comes down to cutting down the rosters, and probably the biggest one is the Patriots. Releasing Cam Newton and naming Matt Jones. You're not surprised? No, no, no. You know how Belichick is. He wants perfection, and he knew that Newton was not going to be the next Tom Brady, and he wasn't going to sell for anything, you know, less than that. So I'm not surprised. Hey, he's not the same quarterback he once was early in his career. So to be honest, you know, concerning Belichick and all, I wasn't surprised by Newton's uh, dismissal at all. Hate this for my co-host, I mean, but that's how I that's how I call it. I mean, when it when it comes to 
you know, when, when it comes to actual production, you know, I'm not surprised at all that he was cut as far as production goes. What I'm surprised at is the fact that, okay, if you were going to cut Newton anyways, why did you have him start all three regulars or all three preseason games? Normally, well, that was if, you, if, 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 a quarterback, if a quarterback starts all three preseason games, maybe it's because they wanted to give they wanted to give Mac as many reps as possible, so they would have they would have Newton start, and then and then uh, Mac Jones would be uh, would be playing backup basically, for uh, you know where he would basically uh, have I believe they played him for two quarters each preseason game, so about right. he he would have about six quarters to show Belichick what he can do during actual actual games, and he did impress. You know, he really did impress uh, this preseason, and he looked much more composed. And keep in mind, you know, he was playing with a uh, with a the backups when it comes to an yeah, offensive yeah, yeah. line. So, I mean, there was one game where where Mac got sacked four times, but I don't really put much stock into it because it's not like he was playing uh with the with the top ranked uh you know with the 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 top level offensive linemen he was playing with the backups so i was going to say not playing with full deck but okay but clearly you know when it when it comes to production uh Newton only had really one good game which was against the eagles where then i went i think it was like eight i think it went yeah, i think he went like 8 of 9 with a touchdown and 50-some-odd yards. But Mac Jones, you know, he was the most consistent, not just through the preseason games, but also during practice and during training camp. So the fact that Newton was released, it's not shocking to me. What's shocking about it is the fact that, okay, if you were going to release him, why, why didn't you give – Jones more time with the with the number one with yeah. the first team. I mean, J- Jones he did uh, during one of the practices he had with the with the Giants he absolutely carved up that Giants okay. defense. Uh, in uh, during the first joint practice that they had with the Giants, completely carved up the Giants defense, and a lot of people believe that that day was when Belichick made up his mind as far as to who the starter was going to be. And keep in mind, he was also, uh, this was, this was during the time when, uh, when Newton had to quarantine because of the COVID uh, misunderstanding as they're labeling it, a COVID misunderstanding of the, of their protocols. So, uh, which, in my, in my opinion, uh, it's ten nothing by the way right now for uh, for Georgia. So Georgia has extended their lead. Right. Um, I think it was more for Newton. It, it was more uh, a lack of responsibility as opposed to a misunderstanding. I mean, he doesn't want to get vaccinated. You know, that's his decision. But. I mean, you take a look at you take a look at all the teams that are now trying to get all their players vaccinated. I mean, the the Dallas Cowboys, they have the yes. highest rank, uh, they have the highest uh, level of vaccinated players among all the teams. Good for them. 
But, you know, seeing Newton having a hard time potentially trying to latch on to another team here because nobody is going to want a wild card now uh, like Newton who could potentially go out at any point in time due to COVID because of the fact that he won't get vaccinated. I know it's a decision, but for for your sake, your career's sake, and everybody else's sake, you should be vaccinated, full vaccination. I mean, you know, I can speak for myself, too, because I'm only half vaccinated. Yeah, but, you know, keep in mind, he would be out there with 53 or with, uh, you know, he'd be out there with, Quite frankly, you know, he'd be out he'd be out there during practice with the whole fifty three man roster and in the games, you know, God knows how many players are out there on the field, not just on the field but on the sidelines too. Right. So, you know, if he were to ever come down with COVID, that's like basically a super spreader waiting to happen right there. Yeah. If you were if 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 he were to have had COVID during a game. No team is going to want to take that uh, is going to want to take that risk now of potentially having him on the field. So, you know, now that now a lot of people are saying that the Patriots may have a potential better shot with Mac Jones under center now that he's officially been named the number one starter, and uh, I mean we'll probably be looking at touchdowns, but kicking is going to be a potential question mark as well because surprisingly the rookie Quinn Norton who went undrafted this year he ended up uh, ousting Nick Folk from the starting kicking job yes but uh, what are your what are your thoughts Lou on on Mac Jones winning the quarterback job from Newton I mean, do you think uh, do you th- do you think that the Patriots are better off with Mac Jones under center as opposed to Newton? Yeah, I do. Like I said, Newton wasn't really doing the job, um, you know. And Jones, you know, has become you know like a hot commodity, you know, coming out from the draft and his college career. So yeah, I think on his purposes that the Patriots did make the right move. But I think uh, Belichick would be very pleased on that since he wasn't pleased. With Newton and my co-host is like, you know, he he's pissed. He is pissed. I'm not surprised. In fact, I'm even surprised they even came on the show tonight. Scoring update, by the way, uh, UCLA 14 to seven over LSU currently. Hmm. That was just uh, that was just shown on ESPN. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the the big thing too is Jones. They say he consistently improves from his from whatever mistakes he may make during practice. You never see him make that same mistake again. And he yeah, has won apparently twice. a lot of. He's apparently won a ton of respect so far out of that uh, out of that Patriots locker room very early on in his career here. So, I mean, there were a lot of players that really liked Newton, but. Uh, you know, one of the one of the players anonymously texted uh, Michael Gira- Michael Giardi of NFL Network, who used to cover the Patriots, and 
They said, oh, yeah. make no mistake about And they said, make no mistake about it. Mac Jones was not handed this quarterback job. He earned no way. this quarterback job. He did. Earned every, every, every dime of it. Does that mean that Patriots are going to be back on in championship contention? Uh, no, but I think he's going to, in the long run. I think it's going to do better than with Newton being another quarter, you know, staying in the quarterback spot. No offense to yeah. your Patriots, of course, but you know that's what I no, because I wasn't saw Newton at all. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I mean, let's face it, I was sold on Newton before he got COVID. Because before he got okay. COVID, he looked like he legitimately looked like MVP Newton, like he did during his MVP season. Once he right. got COVID, however, that's where shit hit the fan, basically. And yeah. the whole entire season for him was basically thrown out. You know, he, he never played the same when he returned. No. And... It's almost like the entire rest of the year last year, he was hesitant to make certain throws or hesitant to make certain decisions out there on the field. Right. And honestly, I would rather go through the growing pains of having a rookie be the quarterback and potentially make rookie mistakes than to have a veteran out there, than to have a veteran out there making mistakes that he shouldn't be making. Especially and mistakes that can be avoided. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, let me, uh, you know, make no mistake about it. I may be a Patriot fan, but I do know that Mac Jones will probably make mistakes out there. I would rather them, especially, especially considering the fact they don't have Brady anymore. I mean, obviously, it would be different if Brady was still here. If Brady was still here, you know, there would be no question, okay, have Mac Jones sit and wait until Brady decides that it's time to call it a career and then Mac Jones can take over. But now, you know, considering uh, they, they're coming off of a 7-9 and nine season, Patriots fans aren't really expecting to potentially make it to the, to the playoffs, let alone the, no, let alone the Super no. Bowl. So, you know, there's – I think Patriot fans are more will- – I mean, obviously, you know, playoffs and the Super Bowl is the number one goal. But I think Patriot fans are more yeah. willing to to go through it with Mac Jones. And maybe maybe he makes mistakes, you know, out there that uh, – he makes rookie mistakes and we'll have to go through the growing pains. That's fine. It's, it would be much better than having to sit through Newton – Playing like he did last year, which was absolutely awesome. Yeah. Uh, the Patriots they did also place Stefan Gilmore on the in, on the uh, reserve slash physically unable to perform list, uh, as he is currently in a in a lockout in the middle in the middle of a contract dispute. He's only making seven million dollars this year, and he wants a significant increase uh, in pay, which the Patriots so far have been unwilling to give him. And from what it sounds like, it sounds like they are potentially open to trading him further on down the season. 
So yeah. last year last year may have been the final time that Stefan Gilmore has put on a Patriots uniform. Now yeah. in his absence in his absence that means that J C Jackson will move up to the number one the number one cornerback spot, which makes sense considering his production last year. Uh, Jalen Mills, he will slot in into the number two cornerback spot. And I would say maybe Joe Juan Williams is the number three cornerback. I, I don't know who they have at number three. Uh, right. Another player that's starting on the physically unable to perform list is the Saints' Michael Thomas. As he is currently dealing, uh, I believe, with an injury right now. Uh, or no, he had. I think he had surgery or something during the off season, and he's, he's not going to be ready uh, in the time frame that in the time frame possible. So he will be out for at least six weeks. I mean, it's different. It's different uh, than the Patriots who have put Nikhil Harry on injured reserve for. Now, I, the uh, the new thing for injured reserve is you can put them on on injured reserve for three weeks, or you can put them on long term injured reserve and they'll be out for the rest of the year. Uh, in Harry's case, Harry will be able to return after three weeks. Uh, but I mean, Thomas he didn't even he didn't even work out with the team at all because he's still recovering from from his off season surgery, so. It makes sense for them to to put him on physically unable to perform to start the year, uh, as well as the Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari tore his ACL at the end of December, so he's going to be uh, missing the first six weeks of the season as well on the physically unable to perform list for the Packers. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, the Saints, they apparently may not be able to return to New Orleans for at least a month while the city recovers from Hurricane Ida. As it says here that they could open the season at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas for their quote-unquote home opener against Green Bay. So it looks it looks like Dallas may actually be sharing their stadium this year with with New Orleans. Yeah, looks that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, now, they do have a pretty season that, together. Yeah, that's true. Now it, it does say here that Hurricane Ida did little damage to the Superdome, but the team could conceivably miss two home games while the city recovers. Uh, from all the flooding and all that crap that uh, that went that went on uh, as Hurricane true. Ida hit the city, we got um, two, actually. Yeah, we did get a little bit. Uh, my area in particular, I, I mean, I know, I know, you know, you're probably more towards the towards the coast, right? I'm further inland, actually. Oh, okay, so you're lucky then. But the the yeah. coast, if I recall correctly, if I recall correctly, didn't the subways get flooded? Hell yeah. Well, I, I uh, my area, my area, I'm more inland uh, as well, and in Massachusetts, and we ended up getting. Right. I want to say my area got around three to four inches of rain. I think it was. 
we got uh, they seven. ended up staying. But there were a couple. There were a couple of roads that ended up uh, that ended up collapsing in the town right next to mine. Uh, that they yeah. ended up having to repair the roads and everything due to the excessive rain. Uh, but you should see what happened to one I of mean, our man, Yankee, uh, one of our Yankee broadcasters. What? I, well, what in particular? John Sterling. Well, he was driving home. Now, keep in mind, the Yankees were on the road on the West Coast, but the radio crew uh, was not able to get their equipment, you know, due to you know what. So he had to call the game from New yep. York, as well as a Spanish broadcaster, and. Sterling was trapped in his car um, on his way home and had to get help from the Spanish broadcaster to help get him out. Well, was he was he trapped in the in the flood or something? Yeah. Oh wow. Jesus, yeah. You know they they say that it doesn't take a lot of water uh, to be able to lift no. cars. So, no, it doesn't. He's lucky. He's lucky that he was that he was able to get help because uh, last thing you want to the last thing you want to have happen is, is have yourself get stranded, especially with uh, with flash floods uh, happening yeah. like they like they have recently. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. His name is John Sterling. John Sterling. John Sterling. Yeah, I I, I recall. Uh, ah. Uh, wasn't he? Wasn't he paired? Wasn't he paired with a uh, with a woman? I forget her name. Uh, yes, yes, she's yes, Sue Waltman. Yeah, I can't stand her. Yes. Yeah, because I I remember. Uh, In fact, they still are. I, I, I remember. Well, I remember Weei would used to always air uh, certain sound clips during their uh, sports talk shows. Whenever, uh, whenever there would right. something, something would come up involving the Yankees. How does somebody from Boston end up doing Yankee games? Well, no, they would take, uh, they would get, they would get permission to air uh, certain clips from the Yes Network. Well, no, what I'm saying is, how do they get a team up? I mean, because she's, you know, in Red Sox country, and she teams up, you know, with Sterling. Well, then again, Stone didn't start out in New York. He started out um, in Atlanta. He was the Braves play-by-play man. So I don't know how that came about. But still, I mean, you know, I just don't see how a Red Sox broadcaster, you know, teams up with one of our guys. Yeah, I, it's, it's very odd. It's a very Especially odd a Red Sox because we can't stand each other anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll say, you know, the rivalry, you can't really, I mean, you can kind of consider it a rivalry, but it's not like, it's not like the early 2000s rivalry, you know, with, uh, with A-Rod, A-Rod and Veritek and... A rivalry is a rivalry. Pedro, Pedro, you know, Pedro versus, uh, versus Zimmer, you know, there's... Uh, you could kind of say, I mean, yeah, it's still a rivalry, but you could say it has kind of simmered down a little bit in recent years. Never. Red Sox Yankees. Uh, there never. Is, uh, you know, there there is one player uh, in the NFL who apparently has contemplated retirement. He hasn't made it official yet. Right. But the Cardinals, they did officially put Malcolm Butler on the reserve slash yep. retired list. Uh, now, supposedly he has been thinking about, quote-unquote, stepping away from the 
game as he is currently dealing with a personal matter. Uh, he has mm-hmm. signed with the Cardinals in the offseason, expected to be Patrick Peterson's replacement, basically being the number one cornerback uh, in Arizona's secondary. And also, there was something that came out earlier this week. We may know why uh, Belichick benched him in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Yeah. And apparently these uh, these personal issues, or some consider them mental issues, uh, we're not sure if it's personal or mental problems, but mm. uh, apparently he's been dealing with mental issues for quite a bit now, as uh, yeah. according to, according to uh, Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated, who called into W or no, he called into 98.5's uh, Zolak and Bertrand show the hub. Uh, earlier this week. Yeah. The hub uh, earlier this week, he said, uh, as far as why Butler was benched, he said, my understanding is that he was legitimately sick the week of that game. Uh, it was actually a hundred percent legit. So that was why he didn't travel with the team on Sunday, uh, a week before the Super Bowl. He flies in on Wednesday, and they put him out there on the practice field. And when they put him out there on the practice field, your role in the game becomes pretty clear. And my understanding is that it was very clear that his role in the game was not going to be as a starter. Like, he was going to be the third corner behind Stephon Gilmore and Eric Rowe. Which, by the way, I consider that to be absolute bullshit. If you're going to be playing behind Eric Rowe, considering – uh, I would consider at the time Butler was probably the second cornerback on the Patriots roster. So he was the second best corner on the Patriots roster at the time. So the fact that they basically put him behind Eric Rowe as the third corner or the nickel corner, basically playing a specialized role, uh, I, I probably wouldn't even want to play the game period if you're going to disrespect him like that, basically. Right. And uh, it says here from what, uh, from what Breer understands that he went in the tank and apparently had an awful week of practice. Uh, And also that the coaches coming out of that felt like they couldn't trust him in the game in the Super Bowl because he had just mentally wasn't in a good place. So they decided to bench him. And then also there was the contract hanging over him, too, because he was hitting free agency that year. Uh, They basically felt like he wasn't in the right place to play, and that's basically, you know, that's basically the reason that was maybe the clearest thought so far as to why Belichick benched him a couple years ago. Which kind of makes sense. Yes. Oh, okay. So it says here, you know, I'm finding out more about the Newton story, why Newton was cut. Uh, The athletic, according to a report from, according to a report from the athletic, uh, they asked a, a league executive about it. And he said, it's embarrassing when you can't complete a drop, a drop back pass, which was the case last season with Cam. And then mm-hmm. you do crap like misunderstand the COVID protocols as a veteran. That's like sending Bill Belichick a handwritten note that says, cut me. 
because they hate mm. leadership challenges, especially at the quarterback position. They're not used to that at all. No. Now, Belichick, Belichick has, uh, you know, he's basically refused to answer why they, you know, whether the COVID misunderstanding played a role in Cam's uh, release or if it was his performance or whatnot. Uh, Belichick has basically danced around those questions all week long. But I can kind of see now where they're coming from. If if Newton is going gonna, is gonna to specifically go through these certain actions, it's almost like he was daring Belichick to cut him, essentially. So that kind of makes uh, – that kind of makes sense. So, uh, Lou, I know I know you do have yeah. to leave in a little bit. Um, I want to get your thoughts before you go on the Tyrone Woodley Jake Paul fight that took place last week, and well, it was a split. It was a split decision, yeah. and they yeah. had Jake Paul winning. And what was weird is. On the actual fight card itself, or on the actual broadcast itself, Showtime's Showtime's judge had Jake Paul basically winning every round except one round. Uh And to me, I sort of saw it as Woodley came out way too way too hesitant to throw Mm -hmm. to uh, to exchange, and that's what cost him in the early rounds. He almost knocked down Paul. Uh, yes. I think it was in the fourth round or something. The fourth or fifth round, he almost knocked fourth down Paul. Round. Paul got saved. Paul got saved by the stupid ropes, and he had yeah. Paul reeling. Basically, Jake Paul was essentially afraid to exchange with him the entire rest of the time, the entire rest of the yeah, fight after that one exchange. And it, I mean, the, the judges' scorecards were pretty close. Uh, the third judge, though, the deciding judge, I almost think it was a little scripted, kind of, because the the other yes. two scorecards, the other two scorecards were very close, and I thought it was a very close fight. They tried to put it out there like it wasn't really close at all, even though to a fan's eyes, a lot of people thought that Woodley was out striking Jake Paul. Right despite what the numbers say. I mean, what are your thoughts, Lou, on the result? Mm, I think they were – I think so. It was a cahoots, you know. The, and, of course, it's from the boy do I feel stupid department because, you know, if, if you make predictions like I did, which I think a lot of people did, a lot of people had, I think, Woodley winning the fight. And, you know, because Paul's is a YouTube guy who shows off. And, you know, even though this is Willie's first professional fight, but he is a trained – uh, athlete in the MMA, and you know, I thought really he was gonna just you know beat the living crap out of him. I didn't think it was even gonna last like about two rounds. But boy, do I feel stupid. So much well, for that here's prediction. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. Woodley controlled the fight. You know, he controlled yeah. uh, part of the part of the boxing part of the scoring criteria for boxing is just like MMA, how it's octagon control. It's control of the boxing ring. Who is pushing the pace? And Woodley yes. was the one who most of the most of the fight was pushing the pace. Right. And every time 
every time Paul would hit him, Woodley would be like, are you serious? Is that all you really have? And all you really have. Paul, Paul was basically daring Paul was basically daring him, like, like hit me harder, you know. And yeah. so it was clear. It was clear none of none of Paul's punches really hurt hurt Woodley. Right. But you know, for some reason, they gave the split decision to to Paul. I mean, I, it makes sense. You know, Paul is. I really hate to consider it like this, considering uh, uh, they consider him their cash cow now, even though he isn't Whoa. really a legitimate boxer. You know, it's not yeah. like it's not like he's fighting against actual boxers. He still hasn't fought against an against an actual professional boxer yet. But I will I say exactly. this was probably this was probably his best fight so far out of all the fights that we've seen out of him. Yeah, our um, ball. Harder, harder. Yeah, come on, you uh, yeah. And from what it sounds like, okay. it sounds like there is going to be a rematch potentially between the two. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if uh, if that comes to fruition. Right. Now, how could this be a final score? Washington over Montana seven three. How could it be a final score? That can't be right. In football? Yeah. Unless it's a typo. Had to be a very had to be a very defensive game because. Yeah. <laughs> You don't see that that often. I mean, uh, granted, we're looking at ten nothing right now with Thank Georgia. You very much. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're looking at a ten nothing lead right now for Georgia still. Which, by the way, Lou, uh, it looks like that will probably bring you up to five and one, heading into uh, heading into the Ole Miss game. So, you know, you're in well, the running right that? now. I think I think you're in the running for being our top player of the week. Ooh. Let me double check. I don't think – well, actually, Tim is pretty close. Depending on what happens with LSU yeah. and Notre Dame, if, if, LSU, if LSU and Notre Dame win, Tim would be uh, in line for a potential perfect week, potentially going undefeated. Uh, but from what it looks like here, from what it looks like here, I don't think I think you and Tim are probably the top two uh, players. So, oh no, there's another one too. So, you're currently okay. tied with one other player. But uh, you you look like you're off to a very strong start right now. Thanks. Okay, I got a split. But, so, uh, hopefully, I'll be back next week. So, on that note, I'll say good night. Thank you. All right, all right, Lou. Have a good have a good weekend. Right. Have a good Labor Day weekend. Yeah. I will. All right, and I'll get those picks to you. Uh, I'll get the spreads to you uh, later this week. Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. Yeah. Have a good Labor Day weekend, Lou. All right. So uh, we have about 30 minutes left uh, in the live portion of tonight's show. Uh, Obviously... We currently have, it looks like, a 22-yard attempt by Clemson right now, uh, and it looks like that is good. So we have a 10-3 lead now for Georgia. Uh, We'll see if they'll be able to hang on to that. But let's take a look at some of the scores around college football, of games that are still ongoing, that is. Uh, Florida with a 
21 to nothing lead over Florida Atlantic with about 11:20 left to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, Texas A&M crushing Kent State right now, 27 to three. Washington, wow, you know it is true. Washington, the Washington Huskies somehow seven to three. Uh, right now, a seven to three lead over Montana. I don't know how that's possible. Uh, UCLA, fourteen to ten at the half against LSU. Uh, do we have any other finals from the top twenty-five here? Um, does not look like it. Does not look like we have any new finals from the top twenty-five. Uh, a quick little advertisement here uh if you guys have not done so already you can subscribe to the missy ae podcast by going to blogtalkradio.com slash missy ae uh you can also go to itunes or apple Podcasts uh and subscribe there by searching missy ae or you can do so by going to amazon music if you subscribe there you'll also get access to all of our other podcasts that we have done in the past and some of them that we would do in the future. In particular, we have a Survivor uh, recap show that will be starting up once the Survivor season officially starts. And we have, of course, the Big Brother recap podcast that have been going on every Friday night. Uh, We actually just had one uh, last night where we had uh, we had quite a few people join us uh, to talk about the recent week of the Big Brother 23 season. Uh, so let's get to some of the other news from around the sports leagues here. Uh, we've pretty much mopped up when it comes to the NHL. Uh, We talked about the Montreal deals and all of the contract extensions that took place around the league. Let's cover – well, actually, you know, before we do that, why don't I wrap up the NFL NFL news here once I get this thing up. Uh, I mentioned the Patriots, they placed McKeel Harry on injured reserve. So he will be out for the next three, for the first three weeks of the season. Uh, However, because of the injured reserve rules, they can take up to 21 days to activate him off of injured reserve. So technically he can be on the shelf for almost six weeks, essentially. Uh, The L.A. Chargers, they surprisingly waived kicker Mike Badgley off of the roster uh, as it it appears that undrafted free agent Tristan Vizcaino uh, has won the the, uh, starting kicking job for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, He did make one start for the 49ers back in 2020, but uh, the Chargers... I mean, let's face it, Vizcaino probably will not be a trustworthy option to begin the season. So uh, the, the Chargers, they could potentially be facing the same problem that the Patriots had last year when it, come, when it came to uh, the kicker position. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Vizcaino isn't the only 
kicker that they have this year. Uh, it does say here that the Cowboys will at least explore the possibility of adding free agent Cam Newton uh, as Quite frankly, their only backup is – well, actually, no, they do have uh, they do have Will Greer now as their backup, uh, along with Cooper Rush behind Dak Prescott. So maybe they might be out of the equation. Uh, the Jets might potentially be an option, though, for Newton. Uh, the Patriots, they also acquired offensive lineman Yassir Durant from the Chiefs in exchange for a seventh-round pick in 2022. Uh, he's a second-year undrafted free agent. He made zero regular season appearances as a rookie for the Chiefs, uh, a three-year starter at left tackle for Missouri. Uh, he was billed as a wide body as a wide body with an 82nd percentile arm length at 34 and three-quarter inches uh, coming out of the SEC. He is already 24 years old, so not really much you can do. He's basically going to be offensive line depth if he even sticks around at all uh, for the Patriots. Uh, some other some other uh, bits of news in terms of transactions here. Um, the Giants, they acquired offensive lineman Billy Price from the – Cincinnati Bengals in exchange for defensive lineman B.J. Hill in a conditional seventh-round pick. Now, I kind of don't understand this because Billy Price is considered to be one of the worst offensive linemen in the league, and he was one of the worst on the Bengals' roster. So it begs the question, how badly must the offensive line be for the Giants that they are going to dig basically in the scrap heap in order to try and find uh, potential depth. Uh, he was the 21st overall pick of the 2018 draft, and he lost his starting center job for good last season with the Bengals. He did play a ton of guard at, at Ohio State, so maybe perhaps he'll be used as a guard for the Giants. But the big question is, can he can he turn himself around, or will he just be another problem for the uh, for the Giants organization? Uh, his his Bengals tenure certainly wasn't the most promising. Uh, the Carolina Panthers they acquired defensive lineman Daryl Johnson from the Buffalo Bills in exchange for a 2022 sixth round pick. Carolina was one of several teams interested in Johnson, uh, per NFL Network's Ian Rapoport taken by Buffalo uh, with the 225th overall pick in the 2019 NFL Draft. Johnson has one sack in each of his two pro seasons so far. Uh, It says here that he could potentially take on more than a rotational role in Carolina. So that would be considered to be an upgrade for uh, for Johnson's prospects there out in Carolina. Uh, The Seattle Seahawks, they waived cornerback Sidney Jones from the Jaguars in exchange for a 2022 sixth-round pick. Uh, he was waived by the Eagles on the eve of last season, but he did make six starts for the Jaguars. Uh, he was re-signed by the new regime back in March, but didn't show enough to keep his spot on the 53-man roster in Jacksonville. 
Uh, although he is only 25 years old, he does have a lengthy uh, injury history in addition to his performance issues. So if he doesn't, if he isn't able to stick in Seattle, uh, his career will basically be at a crossroads, essentially. Uh, the Giants, they did also acquire offensive guard Ben Bredesen from the Baltimore Ravens. The compensation will undoubtedly be a conditional pick, depending on how much time Bredesen spends on the Giants' 53-man roster, which could be the entire season considering the starry state of the Giants' offensive line. Uh, he was the number 143 overall pick of last year's draft, he did make 10 appearances uh, with the Ravens, but zero starts as a rookie. Uh, let's see here. According to ESPN's Adam Schefter, it looks like J.K. Dobbins will miss the entire season due to a torn ACL for the Baltimore Ravens, which is bad news considering the Ravens are a very run-heavy team. Uh, this does officially elevate Gus Edwards to the second running back status and puts Justice Hill on the radar in, in points per reception leagues in fantasy football. Uh, Edwards has been a highly efficient runner to start his career, averaging over five yards per carry in each of his three pro seasons. While Edwards may be able to partially replace Dobbins as a runner, can't backfill what Dobbins brought as a pass catcher. Uh, Edwards has averaged 0.4 receptions per game over his career. Uh, Hill, who caught 49 passes in three years at Oklahoma State, will be Baltimore's primary back on third down. But uh, the good news for Dobbins, though, is it looks like he should be ready for the start of training camp next year, considering that the recovery uh, timeline is usually around nine months for a torn ACL. Uh, Irv Smith went, uh, underwent meniscus surgery on Wednesday, so likely putting an end to his 2021 season this year. Uh, his recovery timetable is around four to five months, which basically puts his entire season this year in doubt to begin with. Uh, it says here that uh, behind Smith, backup Tyler Conklin has recovered from his hamstring injury and is set to play in week one. Uh, Conklin has a career yards per route run of just 1.0 and is unlikely to deliver a strong fantasy season unless he monopolizes tight end snaps. Conklin's chances of doing that just took a uh, big – they took a big hit when the Vikings traded for Chris Herndon earlier on Tuesday. Uh, the former Jet did look like he was an emerging star as a rookie in 2018, but then he was abysmal in his two seasons under Adam Gase. Uh, however, if Herndon can recapture his early career form, the pass catching tight end could be and probably fantasy relevant this season. Uh, the Vikings, speaking of the Vikings, they also signed safety uh, Harrison Smith to a four-year, $64 million extension through 2025. Headed into his age 32 season, he was in the final year of his deal. Uh, his advanced age, though, is 
makes it makes it pretty curious as to how much guaranteed money his contract actually includes. But at least in terms of average annual value, he is now the second highest paid safety in the league. Smith did tie a career high with five picks last season and has notched at least three four straight years for four for four straight years. Uh, he is also a hammer against the run and the linchpin of Coach Mike Zimmer's defense. So the Vikings just need to hope he ages better than the average 32-year-old defender does. Uh, according to the Athletics' Stephen Holder, T.Y. Hilton of the Indianapolis Colts is expected to miss multiple weeks with a neck injury. Uh, he is still being evaluated, and it is uncertain how much time he'll miss. The injury isn't considered season-ending, but with the Colts opener uh, just a week away, this at least puts his week one status into question. Losing him would would downgrade a Colts offense that may also be without Carson Wentz for the start of the season. Uh, however, his absence would lock Zach Pascal and the second-year wide receiver Michael Pittman into two wide sets for the Indianapolis Colts. The Jets, they acquired Shaq Lawson from the Houston Texans in exchange for a 2022 sixth-round pick. Uh, The Texans also sent linebacker Bernardrick McKinney to Miami in exchange for Lawson back in March. But their newly acquired linebacker was listed as a backup on their initial depth chart. Uh, the team seeing Lawson as a rotational player likely made it easy for them to move on from him. Uh, New York was forced into exploring a trade for a pass rusher after they lost Paul Lawson to a torn Achilles tendon earlier this month. Now, Shaq won't be able to completely replace Carl's presence as a threat to opposing passers, but he has tallied 18 and a half sacks over the previous four seasons. Uh, Nonetheless, though, the Jets' defense does still project to be among the league's worst this year, despite making some improvements over the offseason. Let's see. Also, it has been reported that, uh, speaking of which, uh, in regards to Bernardrick McKinney, he has officially been released from the Dolphins after he was acquired from the Texans back in March. Uh, His release also comes even after his contract was restructured in an extreme team-friendly deal. Uh, He was limited to just four games by a shoulder injury last season. However, I guess Miami just just seemed to think it wasn't worth keeping him around. Uh, They will likely move forward now with Jerome Baker and Elandon Roberts at inside linebacker. McKinney's experience, however, will probably land him quite a few workouts with potential uh, interested teams, considering his experience. So he shouldn't be hurting for that long when it comes to looking for a, for a uh, potential job. Uh, let's see here. Uh, NFL insider Aaron Wilson has reported that the Texans are reportedly prepared to declare Deshaun Watson inactive for every week this season. Uh, Obviously, of course, this partially has to do with his ongoing 
uh, legal issues that he is currently facing. Um, he remains adamant, though, on playing elsewhere, despite reportedly missing a recent deal in place in Philadelphia. Uh, he would still receive the ten the ten and a half million dollar salary he's due for being on Houston's fifty three man roster, uh, and it basically says to you know not expect him to really play a single down of football with any team this year, especially with these uh, with these issues still looming over him. So, needless to say, this is basically going to be a wasted year for Deshaun Watson while he still has to deal with all these uh, with all these problems that are popping up for him. Uh, former Patriot wide receiver David Patton was found dead in a motorcycle accident in South Carolina earlier this week. Uh, Patton was 47 years old. He won three Super Bowls with Tom Brady. He was part of the first dynasty in the early 2000s for the Patriots. Uh, He drew compliments from teammates and coaches alike, including coach Bill Belichick, who called Patton one of the hardest working players he had coached. Uh, In a statement that was released yesterday, Belichick said that Patton epitomized the unheralded self-made player who defied enormous odds to reach the NFL. Patton's career year came in 2004 when he went for 800 yards and seven touchdowns on 44 catches. He entered the NFL originally as an undrafted free agent after a stint in the Arena League. In October of 2001, he also became the first player since 1979 to catch, run, and throw for a touchdown in the same game, which obviously you don't see that often. You don't, you don't see that happen often. Uh, some Major League Baseball news. The Giants, they claimed uh, left-handed pitcher Jose Quintana off of waivers from the Angels. A bit of an odd move on the surface, but he will give the Giants some veteran depth for their playoff run. Uh, He holds a 6.75 ERA over 10 starts and 14 relief appearances this season. Good Lord. Uh, He has been very good, though, in a relief role, posting a 3.93 ERA and a 22-to-3 strikeout-to-walk ratio over and a third innings in relief. The, the Pirates have fired hitting coach Rick Eckstein. Uh, he had been with the team dating back to the 2019 season under former manager Clint Hurdle. Uh, it makes sense that the Pirates would want a fresh start, though, due to the team, uh, even though the team's poor hitting has more to do with personnel than anything that Eckstein did. Uh, the Pirates are dead last right now in the majors in OPS and runs scored this season. Wilson Ramos uh, will miss the remainder of the season after suffering a torn ACL and MCL strain in his left knee. Uh, he suffered the injury during a throw to second base last Sunday, and he will require surgery at a date in, in the near future. He previously tore the ACL on his right knee back in 2016, but the difference now is that he's 34 years old, as opposed to being 29 back then, 28-29. His rehab could stretch in the next season, and at this point it's it's worth wondering what his future might be. 
considering that he will probably be 35, maybe pushing 36. Uh, Marlins prospect left-hander Jake Etter will require Tommy John surgery, a brutal blow for him who is likely to miss uh, the entire season next year as a result. Uh, he had an outstanding year in AA, posting a 1.77 ERA, as well as a 99-27 to 27 strikeout-to-walk ratio in seven, 71 and a third innings over 15 starts. Ranked as the Marlins' number six prospect by MLB Pipeline, Etter was likely to make his Major League debut at some point next year, but obviously that will have to wait as he begins his road to recovery here. Uh, Heading over to the NBA, Shams Sharania is reporting that all signs continue to point to Ben Simmons' career in Philadelphia coming to an end. Uh, The 76ers began trade discussions back in July with the Raptors and Timberwolves said to be interested in potentially making a deal. But Philly's asking price has basically remained high, which kind of makes sense considering the type of player, the level of player that Ben Simmons is. However, neither team had a proposal that really seemed to interest Philadelphia at all in potentially moving Simmons. Sharania uh, did add that the Sixers are comfortable opening the season with Simmons on the roster, but rival teams believe that it's only a matter of time before he's moved elsewhere. Uh, Philly would obviously love to make a push for Damian Lillard, but it looks like Lillard is still evaluating his future in Portland. Uh, DeAndre Jordan and the Nets uh, officially agreed to a contract buyout earlier this week. Uh, Actually, no, not a buyout. They actually traded DeAndre Jordan in four future second-round draft picks to the Detroit Pistons in exchange for Saku Domboya and Jaleel Okafor. Uh, The picks that were included are the Nets' own 2022 and 2027 second-round picks, as well as a 2024 second-rounder through the Wizards and a 2025 second-rounder through the Warriors. The Pistons will also get $5.8 million in cash as part of the deal. Um but it's the Nets who will save huge with an overall $47 million reduction in their salary and luxury tax bill. Detroit does plan to buy out Jordan's contract, and the Lakers are considered to be a serious contender to sign him once he hits the open market. Uh, Okafor, he was an afterthought in the Pistons front court, and that quite frankly, probably won't change uh, heading to Brooklyn. He is on an expiring $2.1 million deal, and it won't be surprising if he's moved again before uh, before any uh, any long period of time passes here. In his second NBA, he took a step back even worse uh, than he did as a rookie as he only shot – 37.9% last year compared to 39% uh, in his rookie season, and that included 22.6% from downtown. Uh, Jeremy Grant blocked his path to fantasy relevance this season in Detroit, but he's unlikely to fare any better on the 
veteran Latin uh, Brooklyn Mets team who just inked Paul Millsap to a deal, and also they brought back LaMarcus Aldridge earlier this week on a one-year $2.6 million deal as well. Now, Aldridge, if you don't remember, he retired in April due to concerns about an irregular heartbeat, but the 36-year-old has since been medically cleared to resume his career. His signing does uh, obviously come on the heels of Paul Millsap inking a deal with the Mets, whose uh, front court is bristling with veterans uh, heading into this season. I mean, it really looks like the Mets, they could potentially be the Eastern Conference favorites with how they're loading up uh, for this upcoming season. Uh, the uh, Boston Celtics, they made a deal earlier this week agreeing to send Chris Dunn, Carson Edwards, and a 2026 uh, second-round pick uh, to Memphis in exchange for Juan Hernan Gomez. So basically this is just the Celtics getting down to, to 15 men so that they don't have to make any more roster moves here. I mean, obviously they can still do so through a trade, but uh, this essentially helps them get to the get to the 15 uh, the 15 man roster limit. Uh, Dunn, it says here, may not stay in Memphis long as Memphis does, now has 18 players on fully guaranteed contracts and will have to make a few more moves prior to opening night. Uh, Carson Edwards, he appeared in 31 games for the Celtics last season, averaging 4.5 assists and 0.8 rebounds in only 8.9 minutes per contest. Uh, It's also possible that Edwards could be traded again before the start of this season due to his contract also being guaranteed. Hernan Gomez was originally traded along with Jarrett Culver from Minnesota to Memphis in exchange for Pat Beverly. Now Hernan Gomez finds himself on the move again to the Boston Celtics. Uh, he, did suffer, he did suffer a dislocated shoulder in early July while practicing with the Spanish national team, but he will be ready to roll at the start of training camp. Uh, in 52 games last season for the Timberwolves, he averaged 7.2 points, 3.9 rebounds, and 1.1 three-pointers uh, in 17.3 minutes per per, uh, per game. He'll likely see between 16 to 20 minutes a night off of the Boston bench and probably won't make a fantasy impact for fantasy football fans or fantasy basketball fans. Uh, we do have an update here. 21 to 10 lead for UCLA over LSU. So uh, Tim Gross not having a good night uh, tonight. Looks like his perfect week is in jeopardy thanks to LSU uh, deciding not to show up tonight, I guess. Well, that's unfortunate for Tim. Um, let's see here. Another up, uh, an update uh, when it comes to the Kings. It had been reported that potentially De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton might be in a Ben Simmons deal. 
However, according to Jason Anderson of the Sacramento Bee, the Kings are unlikely to part ways with either of those two players in in any potential Ben Simmons deal. Uh, The Kings have been and still remain among the favorites to land Ben Simmons in a trade, but the Sixers have been adamant about wanting an all-star caliber player in return. Problem here is, that the Kings are unwilling to part ways with Fox, who is coming off of a career year, or Halliburton, who is coming off of an all-rookie campaign. Uh, The Kings would reportedly be open to sending back a a package centered around Buddy Heald that could also include Marvin Bagley III, as well as some draft picks. Um, So considering Philadelphia's leverage to windling, Given Simmons' public trade demands, it looks like the Sixers will likely have to lighten their demands for the three-time All-Star. And Simmons has pretty much made it clear to 76ers management that he wants to be traded, and he is not expected to show up for training camp. So basically, he's going to be a holdout, which only hurts the Sixers in the long run. Uh, his name has come up in the rumor mill for quite some time. And it does say here, though, that uh, word is that Tyrese Maxey will be included in any Simmons package. So Shake Milton could be penciled in for a much larger role if a starting caliber guard doesn't come back uh, to the Sixers in any deal involving Ben Simmons. Uh, Clint Capilla has reportedly agreed to a two-year, $46 million extension with the Atlanta Hawks that will keep him under contract until the 2024-2025 season, uh, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. Capilla did have two years remaining on his current deal, and he will now be paid at least $82 million over the next four years. Uh, He is coming off of a season where he led the NBA in rebounding with 14.3 rebounds per game and also averaged 15.2 points with two points or with two blocks per game as well, uh, which was fourth in the NBA. Atlanta has now locked in their defensive anchor uh, and one of Trey Young's favorite targets for any potential lobs uh, for the foreseeable future here. Aaron Gordon is reportedly working on a contract extension with the Denver Nuggets, and there's mutual optimism that they can get a deal done soon. Gordon is eligible for a four-year, $88 million extension, but according to sources of Mike Singer of the Denver Post, the extension will likely be for two to three years with an annual salary of roughly $20 million. Uh, Gordon is considered a good fit with the Nuggets from a basketball standpoint, but his arrival in Denver has cratered his fantasy value as he's often just the fourth option on offense. Uh, Also, to report in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns are reportedly interested in acquiring Thaddeus Young from the San Antonio Spurs. Young was traded to the Spurs as part of the DeMar DeRozan package, but he doesn't really fit into the plan of San Antonio's ongoing rebuild that they're going through. Uh, he had an incredible season in Chicago when he showed off a newfound playmaking ability, and it's easy to see why the Suns are interested. Given their lack of depth at the four, Phoenix would be a decent landing spot for potential fans.
fantasy value for Thaddeus Young. All right, well, that does it for basically all of the uh, all of the uh, sports uh, sports leagues, but we do have we do have AEW All Out taking place tomorrow night uh, on pay per view, and it will feature the return of CM Punk to live wrestling, and we have quite the lineup actually of matches. We have ten matches scheduled for tomorrow night. Uh, First off, we have a 10-man tag match, which this is expected to be on the pre-show, uh, with the best friends, the team of uh, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and Wheeler Yuta, a.k.a. the best friends, and Jurassic Express, portrayed by Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, or for Big Brother fans, uh, he's Austin from Big Brother 17. Uh, taking on the Hardy family office, which consists of Matt Hardy and the tag team of Private Party, uh, as well as the Grid 2, which is Angelico and Jack Evans. I would kind of expect that probably the best friends and Jurassic Express are probably going to go over here. Uh, Looks like we do have a final here, Georgia 10-3 over Clemson as Clemson was unable to force a fourth down, thus making, uh, yeah, it's not a good start for Clemson in the post-Trevor Lawrence era. So they got a lot of work to do if they hope to potentially make it back to the college football playoff, putting up a measly three points this, uh, this this first game here. Uh, we also have a 21-woman casino uh, battle royal for an AEW Women's World Championship match. Uh, we got Nyla Rose against Thunder Rosa, The Bunny, Big Swole, Tay Conti, Diamante, uh, Pen- Penelope Ford, Red Velvet, Hikaru Shida, Emi Sakura, Jade Cargill, Kiara Hogan, Abaddon, Layla Hirsch, Keelan King, Rebel, Jamie Hayter, Anna Jay, Riho, Sky Blue, and one woman to be announced. Now, which I have a feeling it may potentially be, uh, it may be Ruby Riot from, uh, from the WWE, who is rumored to be debuting with AEW uh, potentially tomorrow night, along with quite a few others that may be debuting as well. Uh, I don't know who I would go with in this one because there's so many options to potentially choose from here. A lot of former uh, champions in this bunch, as well as uh, Thunder Rosa, who they just recently signed to an exclusive contract with AEW, so who knows. Uh, John Moxley against Satoshi Kojima. I would expect Moxley to probably go over here. Uh, Paul White against QT Marshall. Marshall has had has won up the Big Show basically during this entire program, so I would expect Big Show will probably get the win here. Uh, Chris Jericho versus MJF, and if Jericho loses, he must retire from in-ring competition. With that being said, unless 
unless they do something, because I, I know Foz, I know Fozzie has a uh, tour that they're supposed to be going on. So Jericho will be away from AEW for quite some time. Maybe Jericho loses to MG to MJF, and they somehow bring him back into active competition once the tour is is done. But I don't know how they'll do that. Uh, Miro against Eddie Kingston for the AEW TNT Championship. I'm expecting Miro will probably retain, but I would not be shocked at all if Kingston takes it either because he's, you know, with his association with John Moxley, it did, it did a lot for his, uh, for his character. So, you know, AEW, they could go either way here uh, when it comes to character and potential champions. Um, the Young Bucks defend their AEW Tag Team Championships against the Lucha Brothers, uh, consisting of Penta El Zero Mayero and Ray Phoenix in a steel cage match. You would have to think that would probably favor the Lucha Brothers, but we've seen this happen many times in the WWE. Whenever there's high flyers, uh, usually there's something that happens that ends up screwing them in the end. So I would think maybe the, maybe the Young Bucks might retain here. Uh, Britt Baker DMB with Rebel defending her Women's World Championship against Chris Statlander. Britt Baker has done a lot of amazing stuff with the, uh, with the, world, with the women's title. So I would expect that she will probably retain here. Uh, CM Punk makes his AEW debut and returns to wrestling for the first time in seven years by taking on Darby Allen. It's possible they may put Darby Allen over here because I don't know if CM Punk really needs to win considering he is so over with the crowd right now. And a win for Darby Allen would do a lot for Allen's young career. Um and obviously, with Daniel Bryan being rumored to debut with AEW, or Bryan Danielson, let, let me just call him Bryan Danielson because that's who he really is. It would not shock me at all if uh, they have CM Punk drop his debut here, because it's not like CM Punk needs a win in order to in order to stay relevant. I'm not saying that Darby Allen needs to either, but. Uh, you know, it's not really going to hurt Punk if he loses in his first matchup. Kenny Omega against Christian Cage for the AEW World title. Christian already holds the Impact title. So I almost want to say that Kenny Omega wins here and maybe he gets dethroned by, by Daniel Bryan somewhere down the line or or maybe CM Punk. I don't know. I just I'm I'm finding it hard to hard to see Christian being crowned the AEW World Champion, especially with Kenny Omega still being associated with the Elite. Uh, you know, he's probably going to have uh, Cyrus out there along with uh, the along with the Good Brothers. Um, you know, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. So. I think there's going to be a lot of trickery going on in this match. 
and I would expect that we'll probably see Kenny Omega retain. I, I, I will say I would be kind of shocked if we see Christian uh, walk away as champion. It, I, I just I can't really see it. If I'm, if I'm being honest here. Uh, we do have some more finals. Uh, Florida, 35-14 to 14 over Florida Atlantic. Uh, Montana upsets Washington, 13-7. to 7. Uh, That has gone final. Georgia, 10-3 over Clemson, has officially gone final. Uh, we do have two games in the top 25, at least, still ongoing. Texas A&M with a 34-10 lead over Kent State. LSU currently trails UCLA 24-17. Yeah, it doesn't look good for LSU right now. I'm surprised they're even ranked number 16 considering how horrible of a season they had last year. But I guess, you know, there's still, uh, for some reason, they're ranked that high. I don't know why. Uh, Let's see. Some scores around Major League Baseball here in the middle of the or in the bottom of the eighth inning. The Colorado Rockies hold a seven to five lead over the Atlanta Braves. Uh, top of the ninth, the Mariners with an eight to five lead over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, bottom of the seventh, the Padres hold a four to two lead over the Houston Astros. Big game for the Padres if they can if they can potentially pick up a win here. Uh, the Dodgers four to one over the Giants at the, in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, battle, a battle basically for the NL West here. Uh, in the bottom of the eighth, we have the Angels leading the Rangers four to nothing. Uh, some finals from earlier today: the Baltimore Orioles dropped the New York Yankees four to three. Uh, the New York Mets with an 11-9 victory over the Nationals in game one of their doubleheader. They also uh, they did drop game two, however, to the Nationals 4-3. Uh, the Chicago Cubs with a 7-6 victory over the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Toronto Blue Jays with a 10-8 victory over the Oakland Athletics. We have the Boston Red Sox 4-3 over the Cleveland Indians. It looks like Boston seems to be recovering from that slump that they were uh, that they had gone on. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays with an 11 to 4 victory over the Minnesota Twins. The Philadelphia Phillies drop a 3 to 2 game to the Miami Marlins. The Chicago White Sox 10 to 7 over the Kansas City Royals. The Cincinnati Reds remain ahead of the San Diego Padres 7 to 4. Uh, with a with a win over the over the Tigers seven to four, the Reds currently remain as the second wild card spot for the National League. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers with a four nothing victory over the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, let's see here if uh, if Tim has updated any of the other finals yet. Uh, actually, quite frankly, I do I do have some more uh, some more updates that I need to make here for the games gridiron. So 
I will be getting to those uh, once we wrap things up here. Uh, yeah, you know, once again, just a uh, just a reminder, uh, if you haven't subscribed yet to the MissyAE podcast, be sure to do so on uh, blogtalkradio.com slash MissyAE or by searching on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Music by searching MissyAE. Uh, you'll get access to all of our podcasts including the upcoming Survivor podcast that we will probably be doing for the new Survivor season. Uh, If you guys are interested in chatting about Survivor, Big Brother, or sports, you can join the Whispers groups by going to Facebook, uh, search for Survivor Whispers, Big Brother Whispers, Sports Whispers. Uh, Our moderators will will look at your request, and they'll add you and – yeah, uh, you know, I think that's going to probably wrap it up for me tonight. We're going to have a a, a short, uh, no, just a just a short fifteen extra fifteen minutes here for the uh, for the after show. Uh, considering Lou had to leave early tonight, uh, thank you guys though for tuning in. Uh, I hope you guys have a great Labor Day weekend. Um, I know I share wealth. Uh, and yeah, we will see, well, in, in my case, I will see you guys next Friday night for the Big Brother uh, recap show. But for Sports Whispers Weekly, we will see you guys next Saturday night uh, for another edition. Hope you guys have a great Labor Day weekend, and we will see you guys next Saturday night.